My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a dreary autumn day here in the capital, but here to hopefully add a little bit of brightness to proceedings is Alan Stanton, owner and principal director of Stanton Williams. Um, Alan, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure having you with us as well, Alan. Now, just for those um, listeners tuning in that may not be familiar with yourself and your business, you're an architect practice um, in uh, London, that's right, isn't it? That's right, Tim. Fantastic. And uh, you've worked on some um, fantastic projects, of course, um, in the past, um, both, of course, with your business and outside of it. Um, I'm correct in saying you collaborated even on the Centre Pompidou in Paris with uh, Renzo Piano, didn't you? That's a very <laughs> that's a very long time ago, Scott. So, um, no, I think um, our practice, Andrew Williams, we're based in uh, central London, Islington. And mm. um, uh, we, we started by... Um, my partner Paul Williams and myself, and we're we're about up to uh, ninety people, something like that, at the moment. That's a substantial number of people, um, mm. and uh, you know, we we we, um, we 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 we've completed. I don't know the last few years. We've been working on things like the Royal Opera House, and we've just done a research building for um, Great Ormond Street Hospital. Uh, we're working on the Museum of London at the moment. And uh, we not only work in this country, mainly London, Oxford and Cambridge at the moment, but also uh, we've built a museum in um, Nantes in France. And we're also working in other locations in Europe too. So. But essentially, Scott, we're, we're, a, we're a people business. You know, we're um, we're a, a creative business and we're a highly skilled um, range of people here. And uh, so, you know, the effect of all this has been you know, quite dramatic, I suppose. Absolutely. It would be remiss, of course, not to talk about the effects of the last 18 months with the COVID-19 situation. And I can imagine that sort of operationally, that certainly has had an impact on the business. Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're a collaborative business. We, we like working together. We work in design meetings. We build lots of models apart from working on computers and so on. And we also work very closely with our clients and also uh, engineers and specialist consultants on you know, bringing buildings into life. Um, so, um, and a lot of it is effectively research and development. So it's you know it's a kind of uh, everything has to be thought through very very thoroughly, and um, and for everybody getting together essentially together in one place, that kind of human presence is really, really important to us. So um, we've had, like many people have had, a bit of a perfect storm with the pandemic and also with Brexit, um, which Mm. has undermined the way that we work. Yeah, certainly seems to uh, be the case. And I can imagine that when you've not been able to work together sort of physically within the same office space and you perhaps had to transition over to remote models, that sort of had a problem for that sort of really critical working together, that bouncing off each other, those creative sorts of meetings. And I think you need that, don't you? You need those water cooler moments, as they call them, for the sake of innovation and progress. So I suppose that when we talk about the working practices of the new normal, 
there always is going to have to be a place for working together in person, isn't there? I think so. And I think, you know, we, we all have begun to realise that um, really strongly because um, although the um, the way of working endlessly with Zoom and Teams and so on, uh, we have effectively been saved by IT. Um, and we were all very surprised to find that within about 10 days or so, we were up and running with the great help of our IT people. Um, uh, and uh, and being productive and efficient and so on, um, but um, you know very soon we began to miss that human presence and collaborative working together. And uh, after a few months, it certainly began to um, create problems of uh, mental stress and mm. isolation, especially for younger people in the office. Yes, and I can imagine that when you're sort of separated physically and you're keeping in contact via remote means, it is a little bit more difficult from a leadership perspective to keep tabs not just on productivity but also on morale, isn't it, and making sure that that well-being is in the place that it's supposed to be. Yeah, um, I think uh, when you're all working together uh, in, a, in a space, we have a big open office, situated right next to the canal, so it's a kind of good space to work in. And um, during the day, you know, um, one goes around the office talking to people, chatting, and the kind of corridor meetings and the, you know, the coffee the coffee meeting and, you know, getting, going into the kitchen, get a cup of coffee and so on, all of those things are really important in terms of interaction and connecting with people in the office. And even just a few words here and there, um, means that that kind of informal contact is maintained. And um, that as a continuous activity between all members of staff is hugely valuable. And uh, I think we've really realized that, you know, that's what's been missing. Um, because uh, when you work on the computer, on Zoom or um, Teams or whatever it is, the way that you work is extremely formal in a way. You, you know, you're framed. You, know, you log in at a particular time and you log out at a particular time and so on. And so that kind of informality to have a little kind of chat, the kind of little chat you would have before you start on the formal business of the meeting um, is much more difficult to have. And of course, very large meetings are pretty difficult to handle mm. in, in, on that kind of format. Yeah, so video call fatigue is a very real issue, isn't it, yes. that we have become aware of in the recent months. But as well as that, um, for all the discussion about how remote working can make us more time efficient, it is also capable of blurring the line between work and home life, isn't it? So we're almost doing a lot more and overburdening ourselves because of that additional flexibility. So this mm. is also something we need to be very, very careful of. Mm. We found certainly after three, four, five months that um, people were at risk of overworking. Um, uh, you know, before all of this, I suppose one would have thought, well, um, maybe people aren't going to work as efficiently if they're working at home and handling, you know, looking after families and all kinds of other things. Um, and... Um, uh, what we found was quite the opposite, that people were working very long hours and people were doing emails, you know, way through late, in, late into the night and so on. 
Um, and of course, that then begins to take a strain because there's no make a strain because there's no escape from the email and the communication and so on. So uh, we found that we had to start talking to people about how to discipline the use of emails and so on mm. and limit their working time to what we'll consider to be a normal, healthy working day. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that is a kind of ongoing uh, problem um, when one's working with IT at home. Um, so you know, that, is, that is a problem. Of course, there are benefits as well, but you know, that's one of the serious problems because it can lead to you know, quite serious mental stress and, uh, and fatigue. It certainly can, and it's not an issue that's going to essentially go away. There's been a lot of talk about flexible working patterns remaining in place for the long run in plenty of businesses. And as we record this podcast as well on December the 9th, 2021, we, of course, yesterday heard the Prime Minister's announcement that the work from home order, if you can, is going to return because of the uh, the new variant of COVID, the Omicron variant. So we are still going to have to get to grips with these challenges for quite some time yet, it seems. Mm. No, I think we are pretty much accepting in our studio that we're working, you know, the future will be a, what one might call a mixed mode of working, um, which will be a combination of remote working um, and using using IT as well as working in the office. Uh, I think we're we're still experimenting with that, but um, uh, it does have quite a few benefits. It has benefits in terms of the office uh, being not quite so full, and we estimate that we'll probably get up to 60-70%, something like that. Um, creates more spaces um, for socialising, and uh, what we like to do, which is to build very large models and uh, use them in our design sessions and so on, um, which are you know creatively stimulating and very useful, technically useful as well. Um, so that the office actually becomes a better environment to work in rather than serried ranks of um, computer screens, which I'm afraid a lot of architects' offices have, uh, have become these days. So uh, there are there are some benefits in that way, um, um, but we, we, as I say, it's a work in progress. We have to uh, we're kind of recalibrating all our values and the way we work on things and so on, which mm. is actually quite positive and um, and interesting. You know, it's been a bit of a shake up, um, but um, you know, in many ways, that's quite a positive thing. It has given us that time to truly self-reflect, hasn't it? And just sort of review the way that we do things in business. I think that's absolutely right, Alan. And um, having talked about how we've learned things about our working practices and um, well-being um, as well during the last 18 months, um, are there any other sort of major lessons from this experience of managing through COVID that maybe you will take forward as well? Um, I think... um what we've found is, I mean, what is allowing us to have this kind of latitude of flexible working and so on um, is that our clients, um, uh, who obviously we're dependent on, are also our colleagues in the engineering worlds and the quantitative worlds and the construction worlds are also um, uh, aware that they have to be flexible. It's a different world. So we're all in the same kind of going through the same kind of changes and that allows us all to 
um, reorganize ourselves and the way that we communicate and so on. So quite often these days we're getting opportunities, you know, a, a meeting will be set up and people will say, shall we have it, you know, a physical meeting or shall we, shall we meet on, on the web and so on. And of course, if one's working abroad and we've been trying hard to get more, get some work in uh, America recently, mm. um, one can do this, um, you know, by remote um, IT means rather than having to go backwards and forwards um, on a jet plane, which of course has got um, you know, zero carbon benefits too. Mm. So um, there are lots of things that I, th- I think at the root of all this, we've just got to remember that um, we need to emphasize the human connection and the social and physical present- presence and how important that is in all the work that we do. We can't just reduce uh, work down to a uh, series of you know, machine processes. Mm. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be in some kind of digital apocalypse where everybody will feel very alienated. So I think that's, that's a kind of super key thing that we have to remember and, um, and uh, emphasize communication, I think, is critical. Absolutely. We have to be very, very aware of our reliance on technology. And even though it may have benefits for sort of sustainability, as we've discussed, mm. we do have to be very, very careful to prioritize well-being and communication. I think that's very, very right. And um, lastly, uh, Alan, as we sort of embrace the future and hopefully we can remove ourselves from the acute phase of the pandemic and really focus on building back better, as the government says. Um, what are some of your priorities and goals going to be at Stanton Williams over the next year? And by this time in 2022, what is it that you'd really like to have achieved? Well, um, it's going to be interesting how to see how this all plays out, because as we learned yesterday, it's going to change from day to day, month to month and mm. so on. Um, what I think we've learned to do um, is to become more resilient and more uh, flexible, kind of lighter on our toes in the way that we organize ourselves. And I think that we're working at the moment in this, as I'd say, this mixed mode uh, way of operation um, seems to work quite well. We're able to respond very quickly to changes in circumstances. Um, and also um, it's enabling us to uh, pursue work that we were doing before, um, we were very, we were pursuing very vigorously, not only the kind of zero carbon agenda, but also uh, uh, EDI, equality, um, and diversity and inclusion in, in, in the office. Um, and so uh, the flexibility that we're offered by this new way, this new way of working allows us to give much more flexibility to um, people who work with us, with families and so on and so forth. And all people, also people that have to travel a long distance. And some staff, because we have about 24% of our staff is European, which of course these days is problematic mm. um, with Brexit. Um, and uh, about a third of our staff come from you know, other, other countries. Sometimes they are called abroad because you know, a parent is ill or whatever it might be. Um, and they can work um, work uh, on com- on a computer and contribute um, perfectly well uh, for you know a few weeks or whatever it takes. So that kind of flexibility is useful, and I think we should be keeping all of that. So I would see ourselves having a, a better office environment, hopefully something that will be almost better than 
better than home will attract people back into the office because it's a good place to be and a good place to socialise. Um, and also one where we continue to be geared up on IT so we can respond quickly and efficiently um, to changes as you know, the world is never changing a thing. So mm. we can anticipate things are going to change into the future too. Um, so I, I think it, you know, it has made it will have made us stronger. I think. Hopefully so, for sure. And um, as we start to get more of an idea as to what sort of shape this ever-changing landscape is taking, perhaps at some point in the next year or so, we might even catch up on the show, Alan, when all being well, we'll be talking about how you've executed some of those plans successfully at Stanson Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, so, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll... Well, we'll we'll see how it pans out, but um, mm. I mean, I think it's been pretty terrible for a lot of people. Very, very difficult, especially for those who've been ill or had people in their families who've been ill mm. or even died. I think it's you know it's been pretty awful. Um, and uh, but you know, I'm trying to look on the positive side here. I think this kind of shake up. Um, you know, I mean, one doesn't really want to draw an analogy with the Second World War, but the, you know, after the Second World War, you know. We had the Welfare State, the Education Act, and all these kinds of things, mm. uh, which kind of shook up the whole kind of British economy and culture. And I think, although this, of course, has not been the same scale and depth, um, it has given us something of a shaking up uh, culturally and uh, and economically. Um, so I think um, we must use this energy, um, this positive energy, to make the changes and get on and make the future a lot better. I think that's very, very right. We have to use this as a watershed moment. Very true indeed. And let's see just over the year, the next year and indeed many years, just what sort of shape that does tend to take. Um, Alan, thank you for joining us on the show today. And I hope you and everybody tuning in enjoyed today's interview. And also, Alan, do take care and stay safe and have a very Merry Christmas and enjoy the upcoming holidays as well. Thank you, Scott. Merry Christmas to you too. Thank you. And I should also add to all of those listening in that if you also feel you have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then you also can apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Once again, I would like to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And until we see you again next time, take care and goodbye.